Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Moreno, the Executive Director of Priests for Life, also the Executive Director of Gospel Life Ministries, also the Executive Director of EndAbortion.us, and that's what we're here for. We're here to bring an end to abortion. And of course, joining me is our co-host, our pro-life leader, Frank Pavone. Welcome to the program. Good to be here. Great as always. Much to discuss as usual. As usual. Well, before we get into today's discussion, which is going to be very lively, I want to remind everyone at the end of the program, we'll have a free gift for you. So stay tuned to the end. And we take our prayer from the beautiful devotional you wrote called Mm -hmm. Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day. So what's our uh, quote and reflection and prayer for today? Well, Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path to life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Reflection. Many men and women who have lost children to abortion are speaking publicly about their experience through the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, a project of Priests for Life and Anglicans for Life. This campaign shows the harm abortion does, leads people to healing, and reveals the power and mercy of Christ. Let us pray. Lord, bless all the men and women who are speaking out about their abortion. Thank you for their courage. Amen. Amen. And of course, Pro-Life Reflections for Every Day, it's available at our online store at prolifeproducts.org. And it's also autographed by the author. So it's a nice, great resource to add to your daily prayer for life. That's right. Well, of course, after the uh, Alito leak document, and then on June 24th, the official overturning of Roe, there were terrible attacks on the pregnancy centers, weren't there? I mean, they were horrible. The, the out and out, uh, some of them firebombing them, putting graffiti all over. I mean, it was just horrific, right? You know, think about the mindset. Well, what is it? Why are they doing that? I mean, right. the, 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 these pregnancy centers are saving lives. And this shows at the core of the radical abortion industry, there's a bloodthirstiness. They're literally angry that we are saving lives. Now, a person who is, quote, pro-choice in the pure sense of the term, that means, hey, listen, you want to choose life, you want to choose to oppose abortion, that's fine, I I think it should be up uh, up to the individual. If you really think it should be up to the individual, you're going to respect their choice either way. These radical abortion supporters don't respect people's choices either way. They want more and more abortion. That's the cause of their rage, or one of the causes. And that's why they're attacking these pregnancy centers. We don't, they literally don't want these babies to be saved. That's really a sick mindset. It really is. And so on today's program, we are going to take a nice deep dive into looking at a pregnancy resource center. Uh Because unfortunately, you know, um, many people have a lot of misconceptions about what pregnancy centers really do. They somehow think, oh, because, you know, so many churches do these uh, baby shower collections for diapers and formula and stuff like that. So they think that's that's what pregnancy centers do. But no, 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 no. They provide real help. 
the real alternatives to abortion, medical care, right, from a, a good pro-life doctor, uh, a place to stay if they have no place to turn to. There's maternity homes, uh, help them to get parenting classes of how to raise that child. And then also in case they want to make an adoption plan, those resources too. So pregnancy centers really uh, do such great work. And recently, we did a nice little tour of a pregnancy center right here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you were there and our camera crew, because we really said, come on, let, let's interview a few people and show people what is a pregnancy center really like. So let's take a look at the interview we did uh, with uh, several folks, uh, starting with Bob Perone and Chloe Battle from the JMJ Pregnancy Center here in Orlando. So let's take a look at that clip right now. About 50% of the moms who walk into our center are considering abortion. The other 50% are here looking for proof of positivity so that they can get on Medicaid. Um, Some of them are here because they've been turned away from other places. We want to be Christ to them in everything that we do. Even when you look around our, our centers, you'll see that they're very warm and that was intentional. We want a mom who comes in here to feel like she's just walked into somebody's house and can sit and have that serious kind of conversation. You know, this is a life and death issue. And a lot of times we get a bad rap as a pregnancy center um, for just focusing on the baby, but that could be further from the truth. When you walk into JMJ, our first responsibility is to that mom, to love that mom, to know that mom, let that mom know she's valued. Um, And then from that, we're able to really have a conversation with her. Most of the time, moms choose abortion because they don't think they have any other options. They don't have anybody that's there to support them, whether it's they don't have family or their boyfriend isn't supportive or husband. So we want this to be a calm place where they can feel listened to and loved. One of the things that we began doing here at JMJ is really helping um, the fathers that are coming in here or the boyfriends. We found that most of the guys that's come into our center sit in the front lobby with their phone out and they look like this the whole time on their phone because they're scared and they feel like everybody's looking at them, right? So we set up a special room. We call it the man cave where we take guys back. We have some sports playing on televisions and our male advisors will go in and just have a conversation with them to ask some important questions like, do you have a plan? What are you going to do when the baby comes? Most of the guys don't have a plan. We do this because we can work with these moms and help these moms see all these beautiful options. But if the dad is sitting out in the lobby and doesn't have any change at all, um, he's still the most influential person on um, that mom when she walks out the door in many cases. So we need to make sure he's coming along that journey as well. Most of the guys don't want to have an abortion either. They've bought the lie that, well, it's her body, her choice, I have no say. But that is a lie because what that does is puts all the responsibility on that woman. And that man is taking no responsibility. He is part of the reason why um, they're in this situation. And he needs to know that when he walks in this door and we have that conversation, he's already a father. This isn't something in the future. 
He can either be the father of a baby he can hold in his arms or the father of a dead baby. But the reality is he's already a, a dad. Yeah, sometimes I remember being 19 years old and what it would be like if somebody had stopped me in front of Planned Parenthood and said, before you walk in there and spend $500 on that abortion, why don't you come with us and we have some free services we can talk to you about. There's no pressure. Um, it's just a way for you to learn about some alternatives to what you're dealing with. And I think for me, as thinking back to 19-year-old Chloe walking in the door at JMJ Pregnancy Center, um, I knew that if I walked into a place like this, I would want it to be very calm. I would want it to be very um, conducive and understanding to my situation. I wouldn't want to feel a lot of pressure. I just would want somebody to listen to me and my anxieties and my fears, um, especially when you don't have family that is there for you or your significant partner who helped get us in that situation in the first place. Um, it's, it's hard when you're alone and you're isolated and you're in a corner and you don't know what to do and you're hiding. And so when I imagine a woman's walking in here, I imagine myself being in her place. And I would want her to know that when she sits down in that counseling room, when she goes into the ultrasound room, that she's getting that one-on-one -on -one undivided attention and not feeling any kind of pressure, but always feeling just the love and the witness that these women are here to help and these women are here to journey with her through that trauma and through that experience of anxiety and fear. When we bring a woman into the counseling room, I always remind the volunteers and staff that this is not about us, that this ministry is about what God wants to do with this woman and for this unborn child. So when we go in, it's really important to listen and sit and ask her, what brings you here today? What are you looking for? So that it's not about our agenda, it's about who she is and what her journey has been and what messiness has brought her into the situation so that we can help um, resolve that and talk through it. And one of the ways that we do that is just by breaking open, how did she get here? So who are those people that are involved in her life? Who are the people that she trusts? Who are the people that she has um, frustrations with? Who are the people that she feels pressure from? Um, who are the people that she feels ashamed by or embarrassed by? Um, is she in school? Does, is she in a married relationship? So we try to break open all of her um, situational um, experiences and find out why um, this may have been an option for her abortion from the beginning. Why is this a thought in her mind? What does she know about abortion? Does she know what those procedures are like? Does she know what the abortion pill is like? And being able to show and explain the medical procedure of an abortion, the chemical reaction of the abortion pill, um, alternatives to that, like adoption and parenting and how we can walk with her, walk with her through that journey um, if she does decide to choose life. And really reassuring her and building that rapport that honesty is key. So everything that happens at JMJ stays at JMJ. Everything that happens in that room is a safety net for her to realize I, she can talk about things for the first time that maybe she has never talked about with anybody else. There's a lot of um, confusion, I think, about what crisis pregnancy centers do and what we can offer. Of course, um, as a Catholic pregnancy center, we believe in Catholic social teaching. We believe in the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. And so that means walking with moms from the moment they find out they're pregnant and for our model until baby turns one years old. Um, and sometimes even beyond because they may need some taper off services. Um, we have three different tiers of service at JMJ Pregnancy Center. Um, and we always consider our tier one clients the crisis clients. Our crisis clients are those moms that are really determined. They're showing up at our door saying, I want to have an abortion today. Tell me how I can get that done. And so that's when we talk about why, how did we get here? And do you understand what that procedure is? And 
actually getting her into the ultrasound room to kind of dispel some myths about what she may not know about herself, her body, and her baby that's growing inside of her. Um, and that's different from abortion vulnerable, which we consider our tier two. Abortion vulnerable really, in, in a sense, means she has a socioeconomic situation that's causing her to contemplate abortion. It may be somebody that's in her family that's saying, this is not the right time for you. You should go on with school or you should go on with your job. Um, or maybe they just don't like the idea that she's pregnant. It could be a boyfriend. It could be a spouse. It could be a grandmother. Um, it could be a friend from school. And that's a situational reason why a woman would choose abortion. Another reason a, a woman would choose abortion is because maybe she's homeless. Maybe she doesn't have a job. Maybe she's living in her car. She's been kicked out of her home. Maybe she's couch surfing. She's got a financial issue that's hanging over her head, medical issues that are hanging over her head that she doesn't have answers to, and she's never found the right place to get those answers. And so we look at that vulnerability still as a crisis because we know that if something were to go the wrong way, if she didn't get the money that she needed, if she didn't get the job that she needed, if she didn't get the support or the medical help that she needed, she will walk out the door and choose abortion that day. Um, and then our tier three client is a hope visit client. And what we, why we call it a hope visit is because we want to give hope to moms that are in a, in a different kind of situation, not an abortion determined situation, not an abortion vulnerable situation, but a situation where they may be in some kind of hardship. Maybe they just got here from another country. Maybe they just need some material support like baby supplies or maternity care. Maybe they just need to get connected with a doctor. And so because of our extension of our mission as a Catholic people, we extend our charity to them and help make those community referrals for them. Aren't they great, Father? I mean, oh, yes. Amazing. They're doing great work. It's always, it's always a joy to interact with them. They've been here to our office, uh, and, and we're, just, we're just like 45 minutes to an hour from. They have several centers there right. in the Orlando, uh, Kissimmee area. Uh, great, great and tremendous work. And, you know, I, I, I've been, you and you, you also have been in countless pregnancy centers from coast to coast and also right. internationally. And it's always the same loving, cheerful, caring environment. That's right. Always. These are the best people in mm -hmm. the world. It's the most important work on earth. And you go to these places and it's just like all about life and hope and love. Right. It's amazing. These, uh, it's always uplifting. Well, we've blessed pregnancy centers. We've uh, had meetings in the centers. And to, we speak uh, at their banquets. And we speak so. at their banquets. Right. We speak at their conventions. And we have meetings at the centers to talk with the volunteers. It's just so uplifting. Well, what I liked, especially when Bob pointed out that's not just about the mom, but the dad too. Mm -hmm. And I love when he talked about how while the mother is in there getting the pregnancy test and all that, the, the guy is out there and no, normally they used to be playing on their phones. So they developed the man cave. The man cave, the right. man cave. Yeah. And, and in the man cave, they had now have someone who comes in and talks to the father. Because let's think about it. If you get an abortion-minded couple and they convince her not to abort the child, yeah. but then he goes home with her and he says... And he puts her back in the other puts frame her back of in the other right, frame right, right. Reignites but, the fears, reignites the right. despair. So, yeah. so now, if you have the man cave and you work on him while you're helping her, then they leave together united in saying, we're going to have the baby. This uh -huh. pregnancy center is going to stick with us. Well, this is a, let's dwell on this point a little bit longer because you have to identify who's the influencer in this situation. Right. Who's the influencer? Uh, it might be the, the, the father of the baby. It might be the mother or father of the mother or, or the, the father. father. That's right. The, the grandparents and, 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 of yeah. that child. Now, that's why in yeah. a lot of pregnancy centers, what they'll make sure to do, they may give her a video 
of the unborn baby, like the ones that we have have spread through the years, and we've, we've right. got more versions of those, or show her the app of right. the developing baby that, again, we're very involved in, in, in uh, promoting, and let her take it home. In other words, if in the course of the counseling, mm. and this goes for anybody who's watching who's involved in counseling someone, it might not even be in a pregnancy center, it might be in your, you know, down at the local bar or something, find out who the influencer is, give information to that uh, young man or young woman to take back to the influencer. Right. So let's say it's her mother who's pushing for the abortion. Sadly, it happens a lot, right? Right. She should bring home to that mother of the video of the unborn child or a picture of an aborted baby. Say, here's what, you want me to do this to your grandchild? That's right. I mean, who's the influencer? Impact them. So yeah, the man cave is a great idea. It really is. Well, we're going to take a break and we come back. We have something exciting for you at the JMJ Pregnancy Center. We got permission to do an ultrasound on one of their clients. So stick with us. This is going to be exciting. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our program where now we're going to take a look at that ultrasound as promised. Well, of course, as part of the tour, uh, you met the uh, sonographer there at the JMJ Pregnancy Center. Yes, and with full yes. permission from one of their client moms, uh, we got to do an ultrasound oh, was wonderful. video. Yeah. So let's yeah. take a look at that right now. I am a registered nurse and I am the nurse manager and center coordinator for the Orlando and Kissimmee JMJ locations. Um, I love working at a pregnancy center. I used to work in a hospital for a few years before I ended up at JMJ, and this is my dream job, literally. <laughs> um, I wanted to work at a pregnancy center, um, specifically a pro-life pregnancy center, because i am um, been in pro-life my whole life, and it's very important to me. Um, I love babies. I've always been someone that wanted to be around babies and pregnant women, so I wanted to make a difference in their lives and in the community's lives. I would say the most challenging part about working with our moms is um, getting through to them sometimes on a level um, that makes them want to change their mind from having an abortion. Um, we have a lot of moms that are pressured really uh, in a very um, intense way by other people in, in their community and in their family. Um, and the, we are strangers to them until they step through our doors. So sometimes it's hard to connect with moms that have made up their minds. Um, but on the flip side, that can also be a wonderful part of our job here because we, you could see with Gabriella today, we um, find friendships in the people that we counsel that come through the doors. You want to listen to the heart? Okay. Move and be feeling. 
then the cat and then <laughs> I mean, isn't that amazing, Father, uh, when you say, oh, my gosh, look at that baby and the mother's joy in connecting with her baby. Oh, yes. And the That's ultrasound right. sonographer, they're identifying with that child right then and there and saying, Oh my gosh, look at that baby. Well, we said she asked us to say a prayer for the baby and yeah. for her. It was a beautiful moment. Right. And um, now this is the reality of what's going on here. Abortion is not an abstract issue. Uh, it is uh, a very personal issue. It's flesh and blood issue. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's, it's about a baby and a mother right. and a father. So, um, and, and, you know, we have to say hats off to the Knights of Columbus who have, have been very spearheading, helping raise money to put ultrasound... Uh, mach machines in pregnancy centers all around all the country. All around the country. And yeah. so many of these pregnancy centers are now medical clinics, in fact, uh, where they're really going toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, against Planned Parenthood. That's a, a key movement within the movement of right. the pregnancy help uh, centers. And people have asked us over the years, oh, should we go medical? And the answer is yes, yes. if at all possible. And right. if it's not possible, try to make it possible. Because you end up getting... Um, Clients you wouldn't otherwise get because they want to go to a medical facility. Right. You end up having a bigger turnaround uh, 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 that is from the intention of getting an abortion to, to, to the decision to choose life. And uh, you're providing a wider range of services. Another dynamic going on here, and we've seen this in some of, some of our friends and colleagues, um, run pregnancy networks that, that incorporate this idea. That if you can establish a medical center and provide services to people before they're in the situation of thinking they need an abortion. There's a relationship, a pre-existing relationship there of, of trust. Of trust, exactly. That if they get into an unplanned pregnancy, it'll be easier for them to say, oh, well, I'm going to go to my friends over there that I've been to before. Well, and, and one such example of that is our good friend Brandy Swindell with the Stanton Healthcare. That's exactly yes. what they're doing. That's what they do, right? That's what they do. You establish a network of relationships for various in the, in the community. various medical needs. Right. For the woman. It's right. woman's health care. Mm -hmm. And it's real health care. And then, like you said, if she becomes pregnant and maybe the boyfriend is trying to talk her into having an abortion, she just goes, but wait, let me go down. Let me go to, see what our friends say. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's already a, a relationship built in. So I want people to really be encouraged uh, do you realize there's about 3,000 pregnancy help centers yeah. here in the United States and about 300 residential care centers or what we would call maternity homes? You know, they, they, the language you notice now, residential care centers, yeah. it, it kind of sounds even more professional, doesn't it? Uh, and, and that outweighs the uh, abortion industry four or five to one. Four or five to one. Because they keep say shrinking that. and uh, we keep... Increasing. Uh, the abortion facilities are closing and the pregnancy centers are growing. And, and who is really helping women with real choices? Yeah. It's the Pregnancy Help Center movement. And then they have, if you want to just look nationwide here, about 15,000 paid staff in pregnancy centers, 10,000 medical, medical pers personnel. personnel. You know, now that, we're that's... talking about 
doctors. Yes. We're talking about nurses, nurse practitioners, and we're also talking about sonographers. Yes. Over, over well, 10, you know, this the irony here is that uh, how, you know, lawmakers like uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, uh, Pocahontas senator there. Uh, oh, she wanted to say they're fake clinics. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like, you know... Uh, <laughs> You, you got you got you got medical professionals here because one of the things they try to smear against the pregnancy centers is oh you know they're fake in the sense that they're pretending to practice medicine that we have ten thousand medical professionals it's not pretending it's not pretending it's uh, real it's, right. medical professionals yeah. unlike states like California that like any any old body practically can do an abortion now it doesn't have to be a doctor shame on them the pregnancy centers are the ones that are giving real good medical care yeah. to these moms so that that's what's important and of course. I mean, the amount of volunteers is amazing. You know, I would say... Uh, oh, there's tens, count, countless volunteers. Countless, countless yeah, volunteers. Yeah, yeah. And here's the challenge. I, you know, as a former teacher, I always give homework. Well, the homework assignment is, you can go to pregnancycenters.org, put in your zip code, see the closest pregnancy help center to where you live, and go there sometime this week or next week. Make an appointment to come down. I'm not committing you yet to be a volunteer, but why don't you just go make a visit? See what they're about. Then invite your pastor to come and visit the pregnancy center if they don't know about it. Because it's so much easier uh, when people hear a woman pregnant and needing help. If you know the center, it's much easier to, to make a recommendation. Mm -hmm. And maybe one day you will be a volunteer too. So go to pregnancycenters.org, put your little zip code in, see the nearest pregnancy center and pay them a visit. And believe me, lives will be saved. And invite your pastor to pay them a visit. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Bring them. <laughs> Bring them there. And then once you've visited, in your church bulletin, on the cover, you can now put that name, information about the pregnancy center, their phone number, their address, and just put the phrase, pregnant and need, pregnant and need help, and then put the information mm -hmm. right there. And countless lives will be saved. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to take a question from you, our viewers. And don't forget, at the end of the program, another free gift going out to you. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Not until people saw images of children in coal mines did they enact child labor laws. Not until people saw images of human torture did they rise up against slavery. And now, after seeing these images, what will you do? Priests for life, because America will never reject abortion unless America sees abortion. Call now to learn how you can help. Welcome back to our program. And now we take a question from you, our viewers. Well, here we go. Today's question comes from Sarah from California. And she writes, did the Supreme Court return the abortion issue only to state lawmakers or does the federal Congress also still have a role? Well, thanks for this question. The Supreme Court in the Dobbs case said that it's returning the abortion issue to the people and their elected representatives. And one of the briefs in the case was from sitting members of Congress. In fact, more than one of the briefs. But one of them in particular had hundreds of members of Congress saying, let us do our jobs. Let us legislate. Let us protect these lives. Congress has even been legislating during the time of Roe v. Wade. For example, the Partial Birth Abortion uh, Act uh, prohibited this procedure that uses the birth process as an act of killing. And not only was it signed into law, but it was upheld by the Supreme Court as legal. So Congress legislates 
on abortion and continues to have a role, now it has more of a role in legislating on abortion simply because the Supreme Court has corrected itself and said there is no such thing as a constitutional right to abortion. So yes, it goes back to the states, but you think of it this way, not so much as it going from the federal to the state uh, level, it's going from the judicial branch to the legislative branch at all levels of government. The courts, in other words, are no longer going to stand in the way of the legislators when the legislators want to protect the unborn from abortion. When you say the people and their elected representatives, not only does that go all the way up to the federal uh, Congress and uh, the president, but it also goes all the way down to the most local level. Your city council are elected representatives. They, too, can pass measures against abortion in your city. So this is a wide open door. Those who represent the people can now advance the protection of the smallest people, the children in the womb. So thanks for that question. Janet, we have to help the leaders understand. Even some of the leaders at this point still don't understand that this is the case. That's right. And, and that's why it, it bears repeating, repeating, repeating. And that's why, like we've been saying, the elections of 2024 will be so important. I remember being on conference calls during the time that the court was considering Dobbs, where, I mean, we were on the call with, with members of Congress all together, and, and I brought this point up. I said, you know, because I kept hearing this language, oh, going, turning, returning to the states, returning to the states. And I said on those conference calls, let's remind people from now, even before the decision comes right. out, that. that this is not about the states taking over and the federal government being able to sit back and do nothing. This is just the opposite. We want the federal government to step up to the plate and do whatever they can to protect these babies. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, a lot to be said, as always, on this program. So thank you for joining me again for All the right. program. Well, brothers and sisters, before we go, reminder of a free gift. This is our prayer to end abortion prayer card. Beautiful prayer on the back. Lovely color picture here. And, you know, it's very important. Every day, say this prayer every day because it keeps abortion on your front line and you're praying to end to this abortion holocaust here in America. You can go to our online store, ProLifeProducts.org. We will send you one free of charge. And then if you like it, you can order more to give out to your prayer groups, have them at your parish, wherever you go. The more people we have praying about abortion, we'll get them thinking about it and then hopefully doing something about it. So again, thank you for joining me. And remember, brothers and sisters, as I always tell you, there are some abortions only you will be able to stop and some lives only you will be able to save. Join us again next time. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.